Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. It is into June. We're getting so close to where we switch from spring to summer. Yeah, we have a few weeks away until we do that little solstice switch. But the weather feels like summer. We are heating things up. Yes, gardening always likes to heat up a little bit. And it makes things beautiful. Have you noticed that plants are just taking off? They love this warm weather, and I must admit, I think here in Manitoba, we went from winter to summer so fast, and already driving around and seeing things, the gardens are starting to look very pretty. We have some things we're going to talk about to help prevent against some of this heat, but right now we can envision what our gardens are going to look like. So listen to the poem, Inside My Garden Gate. How I love my little garden, where I sit and contemplate, my perfect piece of paradise, inside my garden gate. Hanging baskets, pretty pots, and flowers are brimming over, the grass so green, the buttercups, the daisies, and the clover. Honeysuckle and jasmine giving off sweet perfume, pretty lilies open wide, rose bushes in full bloom. In summer they stand tall and proud as the buds turn into flowers. I sit and watch as they all flourish a while, away the hours. I see the fledglings nesting up high in the trees, bees in and out of bushes with their variegated leaves, where they gather all the pollen, then soar into the sky. They're heading home at speed, returning to the hive. The melody of wind chimes as they tinkle in the breeze, interwoven with gossamer cobwebs, at night with spider weaves. The sunshine sparkles on the pond where the water lilies grow, golden fish and tadpoles swimming safely down below. It's all so very peaceful, relaxing in the sun, where the butterflies flutter by having so much fun. The sun goes down and darkness falls. The moon is big and bold, where all that live in the garden have a story to be told. The little gnomes are watching, the pixies and the sprites, dancing by the wishing well, a-glowing with fairy lights. I can sit there, contemplating, until it's very late, in this magical piece of paradise, just inside my garden gate. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. It is a hot day out there today. It was an early start here, uh, opening things up a little bit this morning, trying to grasp some of that, okay, slightly cooler air that's out there. But I have to admit that uh, the gardens are taking off, flowers are going, and it is looking like it's going to be a beautiful gardening season once we get over this little bit of a heat bump. Okay, we're going to go right to lines. Eva's on the line. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Uh, Hanover Municipality. 
Hanover. Oh, I think I know where you are. <laughs> how's everything out? How's everything out in Hanover today? Very hot. Yeah, I think uh, I think it might be a good day to just listen to the Lana Garden Journal and uh, mm-hmm. do a little bit of light browsing through the garden today and taking it easy on that. Yeah. So last Friday, I was very busy. In the morning, we had a wedding shower for seniors. Yeah, they're getting married today, and uh, and then we went to Yanseed to celebrate my oldest sister's birthday. And I came back and picked up my mail. I had sent my kids pictures. It's not just great, refreshing to eat your own vegetables, but I would add produce. I had apple trees grow up in my vegetable garden when I first moved here many, 20 years ago. And uh, um, they are producing now. Do you know which varieties of apple trees you have? I have no clue. (laughs) Anyway, so I sent pictures of them to my kids. And when I came back from a busy day, I picked up my mail and there was a big envelope with a white envelope with big letters OMA on it. I thought, I got a something, maybe the pictures from my kids or whatever, of my grandchildren, of the family, whatever. I was anxious to open it. I rushed home and I opened it. And here it said, Dear Oma, how many bees do you have in your garden? And in brackets, you can estimate. <laughs> how are you and your cats? I am Maine Coon Mix. And they love to go in the yard too. And well, uh, love James, my only grandson. This uh-huh. was his this it was his homeschool grade two um, homework. So I phoned him to say thank you. I probably should have written him a letter back too. <laughs> that's old school. That's old school. But that's uh, yeah. et- that's also old school, and that's etiquette too. That's and very so, nice. Yeah. So he says, "Mama told me you have lots of flowers on your on your yard," and I said, "Yes, and many of them." are apple tree flowers. And in the fall, do you want some apples from Oma? He said they would be fresh, just like you said. Yes. When you first opened, they would yes. be fresh. Ah! He's eight years old, but he is only only a foot and three inches shorter than I am, and I'm 5'10". Oh, wow. Wow. You're going to have to you're... reach those apples that I can't reach. <laughs> Eva, you just gave me back a really good memory. Mom and Dad, good morning, Mom. Uh, they have they have a good couple morning, apple Mom. trees. In, yeah, they have a couple apple trees in the back, and you just gave me the vision of my dad lifting my uh, my son at a very young age. Uh, I think they got more muscle workout lifting the grandchildren at the age of two and three up into the tree to pick the apples. I don't think I could rip ri- ri- my three-year-old. <laughs> not if he's four foot. He was in boys' shoes. Oh, well, that is a lovely and, story. And then I said, and your auntie and uncle, they have a cherry tree f- full of blossoms. And he says, your family has a lot of flowers and a lot of fruit. And I said, yes, and they're your family, too. And well, then he has a sister. He's, she's going to be two in July this year. She was the same size at a year as he was. So they can both pick those apples with, instead of Oma. 
because well, Oma can't reach them all. <laughs> well, you know what, Oma? Let them do the picking, and you can uh, show them how to make I'll, really good yummy pies. I'll, I'll, I'll just eat them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wonderful. Right, I, you have a great weekend. Thank you so Bye-bye. much, Eva, for calling in. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Enjoy that fruit out there. And I love that you're teaching grandchildren about the importance of fruit and growing your own food. Thank you so much, Eva. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm getting my greenhouse this year. I wow. will need to come to your place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank, Thank you again. You. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is, you know what? This is what the Lawn and Garden Journal is all about. We're learning together. We're telling our stories together. We're sharing together. And we're having a good time and laughing. Things are heating up. Gardens are getting beautiful. So let's cool it down a little bit and just have a little bit of garden conversation. We're going to go right to lines. Kurt is waiting. Hi. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. Uh, I have uh, four tomato plants. And uh, the three that are a bit uh, smaller, uh, the the new growth, the new shoots, uh, the leaves are all curling up. I can't, I look closely at them, I can't see any bug or insect, but they're all, they're curling up, the new growth. Okay, when, when did you transplant them? Oh, they're, they've been a month in the ground already. Okay. Some things that are happening right now, even on some younger plants, is that uh, there's a lot of heat stress that could be affecting some of the plants, especially if it's happened in the last couple days. Um, plants themselves, even though they're watered, they are respiring and the water is evaporating at a faster rate because of the heat in order for the plants to sustain the, the true structures of it. That could be one portion of it. But I would also, and you've rolled it open a little bit to see if there's not a bug on the inside? I have, yes. And there's no worm or anything when you I look couldn't, at that? I couldn't see it. Okay. Because there's other issues that could cause um, that. Like, sometimes it's overwatering or underwatering or that regulation if it, we allow it to go too dry and then actually wa- overwater it, that correcting your measurements of your water, so that could be a little bit of an issue. But um, normally if you're watering once a day, earlier in the morning when the heat isn't too excessive, that could be okay. But we also also think of when we're putting our crops in the ground, we've been hot and we've also been very windy. So in combination of the heat and excessive winds can actually cause a lot of environmental stress on your tomatoes as well and it may compound the fact that if it's not if it's respiring too fast if i'm sweating too much and i drink i'm not getting caught up without how much water i'm having in my body okay okay so i would maybe see if you could shelter it a little bit and if anyone else is listening maybe there are some um white cloth that you can get we normally use it for on top of prevention of flea beetles and cabbage butterflies sometimes we could hoop a little bit of these plants because we are i think i looked at the temperature and we're still going to be warm for another whole week is if we could lightly shade and shelter some of these earlier plants uh take like a little hooping system and allow them to have just a little bit of a break away from this heat and especially some of the winds. Like, it's been windy. Uh, I am very well sheltered. Uh, yeah. 
I also have there's a, a large maple, a row of maple trees that that uh, shade them from the direct sun okay. uh, during the middle of the day. And I have one tomato plant that uh, I bought uh, when it was already in bloom and uh, had little tomatoes set on it. That one is not affected. It's uh, it's about three feet tall right now already. Uh, but uh, the other three, which were a little bit are smaller, they're in the blooming stage. Uh, they are the ones that are affected, and they would even have more of the shade than the the large, taller tomato plant. Okay, I'm going to throw a few, I'm going to throw a few more things at you then, because listening to the story, are you fertilizing at all or no? Yeah, I fertilize when I put the granular fertilizer into the ground when I plant them. Okay, that's it. So I don't, I don't feel like you're going too heavy in your nitrogen because sometimes uh, over over fertilizing on some plants will cause leaf curl or stunting of the leaves of, as well. So you want to make sure that you're not over fertilizing. That's in there, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, think that it's a disease this early in the in the season. I'm going to say that it's, I'm going to try and say that it's the heat stress that's on there. Okay. Even though it's in the shade, it could still be that heat stress. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because there is a, a couple diseases that will cause that uh, yellow leaf curl virus, and then there's also um, if I can remember, it's like I think it's called curly top virus or something like that. But I would judge to say. Let's try and, even though they have some shade, try and give them moisture early in the morning, but water the ground, not the foliage of the plants. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can get that corrected. Will Will they correct, will they outgrow this, or the new shoots will grow they out should, and be if, normal? Yes. If it is heat stress, then as it progressively grows, you'll see that you'll have a change in the leaf structure as it grows. Okay. Okay, but don't, if they get to the point where they're crisp, then that's underwatered. No, okay? they're, they're grass they're supple. green. They're nice and grass green. I have a little branch right in front of me here, and uh, yeah, they're all curled up, the leaves. Okay, I think it's heat stress. Okay. Okay, so just make sure you're giving it some good moisture, because the ground itself is, like you water, a little bit of water around the plant, and it's gone. Yes. And especially if you are in a location where you have sandy soils. Well, we are heavy clay here in Landmark. Yeah, okay. I just got your location there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see if we can do that. And even though you do get some shade, it's like us. We love the sun, but we perform a little bit better if we have a little bit of shade over our head. Okay. Okay? Thank you. Okay, thanks for calling, Kurt. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Gardening is in that positioning where we are not seeing, well, last year we were really kind of cooler in the stage that's in here, and we seem to have gone from winter, boom, into summer, boom, 30-degree temperatures. So there's a few things that we could do to prevent uh, maybe more transplant shock because a lot of us are still planting. We're still putting stuff in the ground. If we get into the success, if you're still having to do some planting, I'm going to give you a little hint. Get up early 
and try and do it early in the uh, early in the morning so that you can get some moisture into those. If you are planting two, try and dig your holes, uh, maybe a series of them, and then water directly into those holes prior to putting the plant in. And just remember, if you have any area where the garden is a little bit thicker or heavier, try lightening it up or adding a little bit of compost to that soil. The composted products are going to help to hold a little bit moisture longer for you. So we're giving you a little bit of a break around the plants so that we can keep that moisture longer because we know that with plants, the evaporation rate or the respiration rate that's through the leaf structures of the plants may exceed the ability of the plant to actually draw that up. Okay, it's like you know, working in the greenhouse for three hours, we go through a liter of water and we still feel like we need that moisture brought back in it. A few more gardening tips too as well, and let's talk about water practices. Is watering earlier in the morning is generally the preference that's on it. But with small early start plants, you may have to get out there and do another one in the evening when the sun is a little bit less stressed. Now try and do direct watering. Rather than doing a broadcast spray, getting the sprinkler going and having it going flip, 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 try and do direct watering to those seedlings if you can. I know some have huge gardens and you're going to go, this is crazy, I can't water each one individually. Then I understand. But if you do that earlier in the morning, if you're using a broadcast sprayer or sprinkler, there's less chances of the evaporation or water droplet loss to the heat in the air before it hits the ground. That's beneficial. And giving it that little bit of extra water is going to help those plants bring up as much into their cells earlier when the temperatures are cooler and when the ground is not hot. You want to give them that sustainability because it is planting season and there is going to be some plant stress out there. The other thing that you can do is if you're planting your flowers, and I know you're going to not want me to say this, is when you're planting them, you can remove some of the blossoms. I like to deadhead and take all my flowers off and do my planting because I know that the production of blooming is going to come tenfold for me. Okay. Maybe I leave one or two blossoms so I can see a little peak of color. All right, I must admit it. But if you do a little bit of pinching and shearing on those early starts when you get them into the ground, it says, okay, less stress because if an annual wants to bloom, it's going to put a lot of energy into creating those blooms. If I remove some of the blossoms and remove the bloom sets on those or the bud sets on them, then the energy is going to go more to the roots first, and that's what we want. I always say that we want a really good foundation down below so it supports the upper portion of our products that we're growing. Now, broadcast spraying is really good. There's one thing that you want to be able to do too as well is a little hint is if you can get out your lay flat soaker hoses you're going to go, okay, if you don't have a lay flat soaker hose, it looks like a garden hose that's been squished, flattened, probably about an inch wide, and it has holes perforated on one side. Now, I like to water it along some of my shrubbery beds, and I, in, you know, in a little bit of summer, I like to give them a little bit of a clean off, a little bit of a refresher, just like it's raining, and I'll project it upwards. 
but on the hot days, that soaker hose goes upside down, not full blast, slow and steady trickle along some of the beds. So this could be used as a really good beneficial um, measure for if you have rows of areas that you want to do in the garden, put it closer to it, use a soaker hose, slow steady uh, trickle, and let them water them up. This is really good for garden beds where you also have rockery that's on it because again, if you put the sprinkler on some of those areas that have black granite rock, make sure that you're targeting the plant root system where the fabric has been removed away from that plant so that you're watering, yes, on the rock, but over top the root ball. Very important because, right, we want to make sure that our plants are well watered, well maintained, and give them a chance to get going and growing. The weather has allowed us to get into our gardens and get growing, but the heat has been a little bit of a uh, a challenge, but some plants love this heat. Now, before we go into uh, mentioning some plants, because some people are actually coming in and going, what plants like this heat? Well, we could target that. I want to give you one more little tip too. Uh, if you're watering, and I know that we mentioned watering on top, top of mulches and on top of rock in gardens, because a lot of uh, low maintenance is putting in the landscape fabric around a lot of our trees and our shrub areas and doing a nice uh, granite topping that's on it. Target those plants, try and get the moisture, even on our existing shrubs. I mentioned a lot about the new plantings and the, uh, you know, getting some moisture into them. But don't forget about the established ones too, because it, we have been dry. Uh, I've been hoping for a little bit of rain uh, so that we can get some moisture back into the ground here. But the other measure that we can take in order to sustain or to keep that moisture a little bit longer around some of our gardens, uh, especially our vegetable beds. Uh, maybe Kurt might want to use this around some of his tomatoes as well, is I love, there's a product, uh, it's called Garden Straw. It's not your flax straw. It's not your wheat straw that you get in the fall for those different purposes. This is a garden straw that has been chopped fine and it's been screeded or screened to try and remove as much weed as it can that's on it. And I did a little test the other day. I took some of my garden straw wet it and I took yep I went and got a bale of wheat straw and I put some water on it and lo and behold a few days later one had weeds and then you can imagine which one it was that nice golden wheat straw and then the garden straw which was chopped fine and screeded I didn't have any growth well within a week just remember sometimes weeds blow in but the garden straw works well if you are going to work in a garden vegetable or if you're working in an area that you're going to be walking in and you want to retain moisture longer, put it around your plants. Water, like put it in, do a light watering that's on it and let the top surface dry and do a spreading of an inch or two of this garden straw over top. Now the moisture is going to hit it. It's going to seep through. It's going to shade that soil and it's going to keep that moisture longer underneath especially if you added some uh, good mushroom compost or some sea soil compost into that garden when you're working your plants in. And of course, when one or two little weeds pop through, because we know that the germination of weeds is in soil, they may pop up. And I think barefoot on top of some little chopped straw is a lot better than 
working on some hot soil. Well, maybe on a rainy day. Mud between the toes does feel good. All right. Now, I said I promised some people that we would talk about some plants for in hot locations. You may find that some areas are super, super hot. So there are targeted areas that you can plant annuals or perennials in those different categories of what you can put in those areas. Okay? If you have a question for me, 1-800-374-3315 if you're looking for some ideas. But one of the ones, okay, annual selections. I'm going to ramble off a few here for you. So if you're heading to your favorite garden center, you can look for some of these. Geraniums. They're not old-fashioned. They're beautiful, large bloom heads. Yes, my grandma had them all the time. They were sustainable. They were on the farm. They could take the heat. They could take drought. Good go-to plants. Verbena, lantana are two other varieties. And if you look at them, you go, what makes these the difference? Why do they sustain the heat more than others? Well, if you're going to them, mark down the word verbena and lantana because they have a crispier, crunchier feel to the leaf structure. It's just like zinnias. Zinnias in a garden do not like to be overwatered. They go yellow, they go stemmy, they drop their leaves. But put zinnias in a hot garden bed, wowza! The colors are amazing. And one of the other ones, before I go to Donna... The other one that I truly, truly love, and I saw on some pack trial fields when I was down in California one time, I had a really good chance to go down there, is not a lot of people know about it. It's Angelonia. It is a true bloomer. It loves the heat. Some people walk by it, but other people go, you know what, give it a try, and you are going to go, where's the Angelonia? Trust me, it's a good go-to plant for those hot, hot days. All right, let's go right down uh, back to the lines. Donna. Hello, Donna. Hi, how are you today, Carla? I'm very good, and how are you, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from the city, calling from Winnipeg. Well, it's a sunny day today, and it's going to be a hot one. Oh, it sure is, boy, and the plants are sure feeling it. You, yeah, it's it's like us. If we've been working hard in the sun, we want a nice, long, steady drink of lemonade or something. Exactly, exactly. But water is most important, don't go for the pop, go for water first and then enjoy your lemonade afterwards. But water is key. <laughs> that's right. And that's why I'm calling. Um, I've got these two beautiful pots of, uh, I think they're New Guinea uh, impatiens. They're big, beautiful pink impatiens with yellow and green leaves. Yep. Very beautiful, very showy. But when I bought them, they looked like they're at their peak. So I'm wondering how I can prolong their life, you know, their, their vigor. Um, I've been watering them morning and evening. But I'm wondering, do I need to repot them, and how often should I fertilize them, etc.? Okay, so when you got them, sometimes they're sold in four-inch pots, sometimes they're sold in gallon pots, and do you transplant them into other bigger pots? I didn't yet. Is that a good idea? Oh yes. Oh yes. okay. Okay, if it's in a four-inch pot, New Guinea patience. If you are you going to grow them on your deck, patio, or your garden? Yep, uh, in uh, in a pot on my front doorstep. Okay, you need to get those into bigger pots, my dear. They're in, uh, like they're in hanging pots, like about 12 inches wide. Oh, okay, so they're in a bigger pot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, I think, about four big plants in one pot. Okay, 
if you have four big plants in one pot, what you can do, rather than them going more upward and you want them to go more outward on there, mm -hmm. do a little bit of a pinch okay. on the new growth. Okay. I, I am the... Probably, I'm going to say I'm the biggest promoter of pinching your plants, and I love our baskets here get pinched probably way too much, but it encourages the new growth further down in the plant. Okay. So where um, is that? Is that the little bud uh, at the top of the stem? Yeah. If, you know how if you, I'm going to have you go and look at sort of the botany of the plant where it looks like there's always a main stem that looks like it's the leader, mm -hmm. like the leader of a tree. If you look at it, it's always the main branch stem that goes up, and then you have your uh, subsidiary branches on the side, right? Right. You're going to follow that leader all the way up, and at the very top of it, sometimes on New Guineas, you're going to have to forego on that new set of blossoms. Okay. So pinch it back half an inch or pinch it back an inch, and then take a look at the leaf sets below it, down below and everywhere there's a leaf set is a potential for new growth or new branching to come. Okay. All right. And I would do that now if you wanted to get your uh, New Guineas fuller. Okay. And then do it again in a month. Okay. Because the one thing I see is, and you'll probably see it dominantly in petunia hanging baskets, where they look like they're rounded, that pave, beautiful domed arrangement. Mm -hmm. And then partway through the season, at the top of the pot, they seem to flatten and go kind of, ugh, right? Right. What we want to do is don't let those petunias keep growing longer and longer and longer. Right. I would take three inches on one-third of those branches. And now that's on the begonia? Well, you can do the begonia too. Okay, so I can do the petunias the same. You can do, beton uh, you can do on almost anything. Okay. But, okay. I'm going to put it to the analogy is, you know when you go to a hairdresser and you think that when she cuts your hair that she's going to take all your hair off, but she only takes <laughs> one-third out to thin it? Yeah. We're going to take one-third of our basket away on the tips and sometimes a little bit further into the branches because it just sets it in beautifully to start new growth further to the core okay. to make it lusher and fuller. Okay. We don't want long and leggy. Yeah, exactly. That's what they start to look terrible midsummer. Yeah, we don't want that. The only time I ever wanted to be long and leggy is I'm a five foot woman. I would like to have a little bit more height, <laughs> but not in our plants. Okay. Right, right. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. And when you do that, especially, and thank you for reminding me because we spoke about watering, but hanging baskets. This is the call and the shout out. Morning and night. Okay. Check check your moisture content on your baskets. Right, right. Because they, yeah. are, they are sucking back the water so quickly. They are in the wind. They're hanging and oh. they're respiring so fast. And I would almost say if it's a really hot, hot day and they're in that beating sun and you are at home, yeah. pull, them, pull them back into the shade for a day or so just to give them a little bit of a break. Yeah, I have noticed I've had to do that because they start to droop and look really sad. So I pull them closer into the shade and leave them in the shade all day and they seem to perk up a little better. Okay, here is another, okay, there's so much to talk about for watering and hanging baskets. If you have a hanging basket and the soil that you're using dries too fast, or yeah. dries out too much. Mm -hmm. You'll notice that, you probably won't notice it because the foliage is going to be covering the pot, but the soil has a tendency to pull away from the sides of the pot. Right. 
So when I go to water my basket, I'm watering for the top, and all of a sudden I get this spurge of water that rushes through to the bottom, out the bottom drainage. Right. In my mind, I go, wow, I must have watered too much because it's draining off already. What's truly happening is that it's like pouring water on a cracked desert. It just runs across the surface until uh, it can fit the first release and it's gone. Right. So on super hot days, if you have a basin or a basin bin that you can elevate it up, water it. But it also, take the baskets down, put them in a basin of water, and you will be amazed how much water it actually draws up into the root ball system. It's going to be super heavy to lift, but a heavy basket with water is better than a heavy basket with foliage with no water. Right. So a heavy basket is a happy basket. Yes! <laughs> yes. Okay. And that's one of the things, like even training people here in the spring, little plants, heavy basket, I know they have lots of water. Right. Big basket, lots of flowers, not so heavy. I know I have lots of foliage, no water. Right, right. Okay. And what about fertilizer? Oh, that is key. That is key. I get, I get insert, and almost 30 years I get so much uh, comments that, hey, I bought a basket from a garden center, but the flowers aren't as big. What did we do? We watered, but we forgot about feeding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So feeding is key. And um, most garden centers, or I know we do, we put a slow release right at the beginning when we start to fertilize. But already at the next time frame, we should be putting slow release fertilizer in for the next trimester of granular feed. But liquid feeding is best because it's drawn in quicker into the cells, into the format of your plants. Okay. Okay. I think as Osmocote or slow release fertilizers is like... I know I'm going to try and feed my grandkids vegetables, but I know they're not going to. Right. So, so I give them the slow-release fertilizer, so it's always kind of there. Okay. But the true vegetables, true feed is the fertilizer, your liquid fertilizer. And every once a week for these high-feeding flowers? I would do once a week, and if... Okay, we're going to have a whole show just with you, Donna. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is important because it is... It's hot in our plants, and I want everyone to have success because, put it this way, if I'm watering once a day, morning and night, morning and night, morning and night, morning and night, and I fertilize once that week, mm-hmm. probably by the day four, if I'm rinsing and watering, I may be washing out some of that other fertilizer that's not been drawn up. Oh, right. So in the heat of the season, and I'm notorious for this, I will feed my plants twice a week on fertilizer, but I cut back a little bit on the ratio so I know that they can get that boost a little bit more. Oh, okay. Okay? All right. You'll see the difference. You'll see the flower change sizes. Okay. Okay? Great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. We just went on a tangent of watering, and we haven't even finished the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. You take care, okay? Thanks, Carla. You have a great weekend. You too. And don't forget, have a drink of water today. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There are so many keys to the success of gardening. It's the conversation. It's the practice of caring for our plants. And it's looking after the plants. And don't forget, included in that water gardening, 
Uh, there's water gardening. So if you're in the even in the category of water gardening, there's plants that love to be in very wet locations. So if you do have eupatorium or if you have some of ligularias, I'm twisting words at you. So if you don't know these plants, they love areas that are moist to wet. And if they're dry, you will see it. You will see those locations where they do not like that favorite. And just to, before we take a commercial, if you have bird bass, put a little rock in the middle. There's a butterfly that's out there that's fluttering around that it would appreciate a little bit of a stone at the soft edge inside your bird bath so it too can have a drink. And don't forget those hummingbird feeders, maybe they're not so full. Maybe they need to be topped up because they too evaporate. And if you want, I know that hummingbird swings are out there. Get a little bit of a a hummingbird swing. Put it safely up high in a tree where they know they can be secure. Because they too, on a hot summer day, will have a sip of water from your birdbath and gently swing the afternoon away. Thank you for listening. From Hanover to Landmark to Winnipeg to beyond, wherever you may be, tickle your toes in the lawn. I know that uh, Grant Oscar may be playing in the pool today and I'm going to maybe tease my other two granddaughters into maybe helping me uh, wash my truck later on tonight. So play in the water and don't forget, have a drink yourself. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye everyone.